our sins to their banquet and his mercy more. That's good news to celebrate this morning, amen? I'm excited to be here with you this morning. Uh, we're continuing, for those of you who have been around, our series in Matthew. And, uh, I don't know, how long have we been in this? we got a little ways to go, folks. So, uh, buckle up. We are, oh, we are, buckle up because we're ready to dismiss the children as they're waving to me in the back frantically. So kids, you are dismissed. Have a great time downstairs in the Gospel Project here class. Awesome. See you later. So this is the universal sign for please dismiss the kids. That's what I was getting in the back. So we're in Matthew chapter 13 and we've just walked through a section of parables and we're coming to the end of this section. And our verses that we're going to concentrate on this morning are verses 51 and 52. But I'm going to start back up at 44 just for some context. So let's read Matthew 13, verses 44 to 52 together. Matthew 13, 44 to 52. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down to sort it, the good and the cleaners, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to them, therefore, every scribe who has been trained in the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the word of God. Amen? Let's pray again. God, we thank you for your word. Speak to us this morning through your word. You do speak. This is your word. Sicily, uh, something about my house, which I just love. Amy always walked in with a smell of salt, right? Come on, Amy was like, always on the stove, there was a pot of sauce, and she'd have to eat separate, and it was like, 
the kingdom of God. And, and in these last couple of parables leading into our two verses today, he talks about the immense value of the kingdom. And I think that's a good context for us to look at verse 51 and 52 in. The kingdom of God is like treasure being preached on that hill. I remember we had that. The kingdom of God is like a man who, who goes to a field. And back in those days, people would bury treasure. They didn't have banks necessarily. Um, and so they would bury their treasure. But this man treasure in the field, and he sells everything he has to purchase the field. After he covers up the treasure so no one else can find it, he goes and he purchases the field because of how valuable the treasure is. He is worth just selling everything else off for. Or it's like a guy who finds not just any pearl, but the pearl, right? The pearl of to recognize that the kingdom of God is going to be perfect, that, that they are going to sort out what is good and what is not good, and what is not good will be thrown away, and what is good will be a part of the kingdom of God. What a warning. This speaks to the immense value of what it is he is talking about as the end of the age will come. Then he looks at the disciples and says, understand these things that I've spoken to you? And they reply, yes. Well, okay. <laughs> I think we see a little naivete there. They do understand to some degree what he's talking about. And they don't understand to some degree what he's talking about, as we see in the life of the disciples as it, as it goes on. But they respond in the affirmative, yeah, yeah, we get it. We understand. See, Jesus is teaching his disciples in private these principles of the kingdom. He's teaching in parables a way to illustrate the reality of the kingdom to the kingdom. To those who would grasp it. And in response, and in asking this question, he, he gives now another small parable about what he's getting at to those who would understand the kingdom of God. He, he tells another, another small parable.
believe that at the end of the age, as we stand before God, our righteousness, this foreign righteousness that comes from Christ and it's not our own, those that would begin to grasp the gospel um, and would say, yes, God has given us the ability to say, yes, we get it. We're hearing and receiving the secrets of the kingdom of God and the gospel and our salvation. What should we do with this understanding? First of all, we see the context of this is, is we should what? We should value this above all else. We should say, not only. Is this not the best news you could hear? Is this not worth selling everything else for? I love the way Calvin puts um, in his commentary how he feels about this section of the parable. He says, the natural meaning of the word is that the gospel does receive from us the respect it deserves. Unless we prefer it to all riches, pleasures, honors, and advantages of the world. And to such an extent that we're satisfied with the spiritual blessings which it promises. And throw aside everything that would keep us from enjoying them. For those who aspire to heaven must disengage from everything that would diminish their progress. Christ exhorts those who believe in him to deny those things only which are injurious to godliness and at the same time to permit themselves and enjoy godly temporal favors as if they did not themselves. What an interesting quote. It's not that we throw away all of the temporal pleasures God gives us, but in comparison to the kingdom of God, we use them as if they don't even matter, because what matters of infinite value is the spiritual blessings He promises us through the kingdom of God. If we would throw aside anything that would disengage us from that, if we would throw aside anything in life that would injure our ability to grasp the kingdom of God and to know it and to value it above all else, amen? Philippians 3, 8, indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Is that not the heart he's calling us to, those of us who are hearing the secrets of the kingdom of God and receiving everything else in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ I count as loss? garbage. It's rubbish in comparison. This is the posture of the kingdom of God that these parables are articulating for us. Count it all as loss. Rubbish. I remember thinking about this immediately. You know, this idea of, you know, I had these moments where, as we're about to talk about in verse 52, those moments being described in the kingdom of God and communicated the word of God to me. And moments in my life where I began to hear the secrets of the kingdom of God for the first time. Do some of you, as you're sitting here, remember those moments in your life? I remember as an eight-year-old boy walking out and down the aisle of all of the Lindley Church walking right up the front as I heard the preacher preaching the gospel. I wasn't even really giving it up myself yet. I was just the first one to come. 